So the secret to finishing a dissertation after 10 years is ignoring family and work. <laughs> oh, is that all? Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Ash Dryden. Hi, everyone. Reuven Lerner. Hello. Curtis McHale. G'day. Eric Davis. Hello. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about ebooks. And if we have time, we're going to talk about launching and marketing them. I, I think I've listened to a few other authors, and from what I understand, um, writing the book is like 10% of the work, and then marketing it is the other 90%. So I thought it was 5% of the work, but okay. Okay. I've heard 482 <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eric's probably right, actually. Take it from the accounting guy, yeah. Yep. So, uh, Eric, you just launched your book, didn't you? Yeah, so uh, last Wednesday I launched it. I guess it'd be two weeks ago when this comes out, but yeah. And Curtis, you will have launched by the time we launch the podcast, yeah. or pretty close. As as we're recording, it'll guess it'll be next week, uh, today next week. So it'll ha- yeah. it'll ha- it will have launched by the time this comes out. And I've launched a previous one at the beginning of the year uh, on WordPress themes and stuff. Awesome. And then I know uh, Ash is writing a book. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been working on one, and it's hopefully the. I, I'm doing it through LeanPub, um, which kind of allows you to uh, release a little bit at a time. So that will be upcoming soon here. Awesome, and you're all self-publishing then, right? Yes. yes. So uh, I am also writing a book, but I am writing it with five other co-authors, and we're publishing it through Pearson Publishing. So if you listen to the Ruby Rogues, then you'll know a little bit about that. Anyway, so it's kind of interesting. And then Reuven is writing his doctoral dis- dissertation, which is different audience. It sounds like more pain. And uh, the payoff is is that people call you doctor instead of master. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you pay for the privilege. Oh, right. <laughs> and it's probably like 10,000 times longer than all three of our books combined, right? Yes, with one ten-thousandth of the audience. I was going to say that the readership... The expected or intended readership is like, what, five people or so? Well, there's my committee, and then everyone I can bribe to read it. (laughs) I take bribes. (laughs) I'll tell you I read it. Um, I mean, I did actually write a real book years ago, about 10 years ago, uh, about Pearl, back in my Pearl days. So I have some, some, like, basis for comparison between books and what I hear you guys talking about e-books. But uh, this book, the the dissertation will definitely, I mean... It's an ebook, right? But not exactly the same sort of thing. So you're not going to put it on Amazon? Uh, it was on Amazon, yeah. Oh, the dissertation? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in the pic so everyone can go and enjoy my software and uh, see what I've been working on, slaving on for, you know, since the Mesozoic era. 
(laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So uh, I thought we could talk about the process of writing the book, and then we can talk about the marketing of the book. Does that make sense to everybody? That sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm kind of curious. Do you guys do a big outline first, or do you just sit down and crank out so many words per day, or both, or neither? Or... Yes. <laughs> For me, this one kind of crept up uh, based on a talk I gave just at the conference last weekend, and I looked up partway through my kind of my script as I was mapping it all out, and went, "Wow, I've got like fifteen thousand words. I guess I should." I guess this is more than just a talk. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, so I have, uh, I basically had a huge outline and uh, just for each chapter, basically just doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of people. Mine's, my book is um, not technically a technical book. Um, so it's the, the writing of it has been a little bit different than a lot of the other writing that I do. What about you, Eric? So for mine, um, basically I sat down and wrote an outline, uh, I guess in a day or two, and then I actually sat down and had, you know, word count goals and basically just wrote the book, you know, not from beginning to end, but basically sat down and wrote it all and got it all done and threw it off to editing. Awesome. So did you do an outline first or? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it was an outline in that I wanted to cover these topics, um, it, it changed a lot. Like they didn't actually translate directly into chapters. It was more of like, what questions would my readers have? What would they want to learn? What would they want to get out of it? And then I would, you know, expand that into, you know, either a paragraph or into a couple chapters or whatever it ended up being. That makes sense. Did Did you outline yours, Ash? Uh, yeah, I did. It, yeah, what, once I had my 16,000 words, I kind of looked at it all and grouped it differently and put it down into an outline and then reapproached the project and started putting dedicated time into writing every day based off the outline. But it, the overall thing kind of crept up on me. So you uh, you got the outline together and then you just sat down and wrote some every day? Yeah, I made a thousand words a day, my goal, and kind of cranked through it. And how many thousand words is a book? I think that depends. This one for me came out to about seventeen, eighteen thousand, 18,000. But I think my other one was like 22,000. Yeah, it depends on the book and all that. I mean, most most ebooks I've seen are you know fifteen thousand on the low end to like twenty five thousand or so. Uh, mine, I, I took notes. Like I have a log of all my writing every day. I mine was almost twenty six thousand, and then edited a couple thousand out of it. Awesome. And that's funny. I I don't actually know how many thousands of words I have right now. I think I I, I mean I've been going more for like completion of content, like. Uh, I have a pretty um, deep outline and I've just been going for like hitting each one of those like subtopics uh, in a really complete way. So they're more easily understandable than for word count. So I have no idea how many words I have right now. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily aiming for a specific word count. It just that's kind of where it ended up, right? If it ended up at like 3000, I would have said, well, this is not really a book, but <laughs> it's a pun. It's also it's also like a daily marker. I mean, you know, I had I had a goal of hitting four thousand words a day, and it's like when I hit that, I can stop and relax. And if I did, it would be a number to motivate myself to keep going a little bit more. Yeah, that's what my thousand was. That I just kept it going in the midst of client work and everything else every day. Did you guys find at some points that you needed to go back and and edit, or that there were topics that you started to explore that you said, "Oh, this is really irrelevant. Maybe this will make another book." Yes. Yeah, yeah I went, for sure. I went through individual chapters, and as I wrote them and then read back through it, I was like, this is actually a section you know, of this other chapter instead, and so moved everything around a number of times, So, which is uh, an awesome feature of Scrivener, the tool that I write with, and I think Eric does as well. 
I've worried a little bit about that as far as uh, I have another ebook that I've outlined and I've kind of broken that outline down into subheadings. Uh, I'm using Scrivener as well, incidentally, for that one. And there are a lot of topics that I could write about that are related to it that I feel like I definitely need to weed some of them out. So how do you how do you pick the things that aren't as relevant and how do you address them when you pull them out if you feel like they need at least some minimal coverage? One thing you could do is put them in a blog post and kind of use it as your marketing launch, right? Oh, so it needs some idea. coverage. It's kind of through the book. but So I have one or two chunks that were like that that I've used in my marketing launch over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. I I wanted to get all the ideas, like I said, as I basically approached it from what questions someone would have. And so I tried to answer all the questions. And then there was three or four that kind of didn't really... There are questions people might have, but they didn't really tie in with the topic that well. And, you know, as you write, you kind of get more honed in on what you're talking about. And I pulled them out and I'm going to turn them into blog posts. And then um, also I, I had a professional editor come through and do some really high level stuff of the content. And based on her feedback, I actually pulled out a few more things just to tighten up the entire book. So, I mean, you know, you have that flexibility as you can always pull stuff out and move stuff around. And if you really have to, you can, like Curtis said, make it a blog post. And then in the book say, you know, I'd like to talk about the side topic, but it doesn't fit in this book. So here's a blog post I wrote about it. I wanted to ask about that, actually, because, I mean, when I wrote my book uh, for Prentice Hall years ago, so obviously there was an editor who was working on things and there was a language editor and a technical editor. And even if they didn't do such an amazing job, there was someone whose job was to go through the manuscript. So do all of you guys, have all of you guys decided to hire an editor to look over your manuscript, or are you just asking friends and colleagues? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I expected that answer. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, Eric I mean, is evil. I, I hired an editor. I mean, basically because editors have like a very technical skill set, and they can help you find stuff that you, know, you can't find and just normal readers can't find just by the sheer amount of editing they do. I also had one, so my book's targeted freelancers. So I had one editor slash beta reader that read it that was kind of an experienced freelancer. And they gave me feedback about like, okay, this stuff is, this stuff's good. I have the same experience, so that sort of idea. And then I also had another person that was like a beginner freelancer. And they gave me feedback along the lines of, okay, the stuff you're talking about is way too advanced. You need some background information on that so that I, as a beginner, can understand it. So I had it, you know, from the aspects of the range of the audience I'm talking about and then the editor for the more English stuff. And that seemed to cover me pretty well. Um, like I said, the editor also did kind of high-level organization, moving chapters around, moving concepts around to put them in a better logical order, too. And Actually, I have a friend you, How did you find the editors? I'm curious. In this case, it was actually someone I knew off of Twitter. His wife was an editor, and they're actually local. They're um, uh, in Oregon, too. And so I just chatted it up with her, and she basically I had her edit a sample chapter. So it was like a, a low-risk thing for both of us. And her style and my style of writing are very similar, and so it actually worked out really good, and I just brought her on. I was going to say, I have a friend who's crowdsourcing the editing of his um, outline, at least, his you know his rough draft that's not fully expanded and getting a bunch of feedback. This is his third book. He's done that on. And then he actually like anyone who comments on it in Google docs or makes, you know, re- references things gets mentioned in the book. And oh, very that's nice. a good idea. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought that would be an interesting thing, uh, kind of for the next project. No, Eric crowdsourcing the content wouldn't work or like your whole blog or anything, but 
but at least the editing process, once you have an idea down and there's a bunch of good ideas in there and a bunch of things that people brought up that he kind of rewrote and, and changed the points around. Yeah. I mean, the topics, I think that could work. It's, you gotta be careful. I mean, I, I see this a lot, a lot of books that are written by one person or it's gone. Like there's a couple of books that have been in, you know, the writing editing mode for years. And so over time you can kind of see how kind of the voice of the writer changes. And this happens when stuff's written by large groups and it can be really confusing and jarring, especially if stuff's broken up, like chapter one is by one person, chapter two is by another. And so that's why I really kind of kept the editing to a minimum. I didn't want stuff I wrote to be written in a different voice than the stuff my editor had to go in and heavily edit. It's interesting because I have two different editors for an interesting reason. So a lot of the information that I'm presenting is research that's kind of pulled together from a lot of different academic sources. Um, so one of my editors is somebody who is very well, well versed in presenting that kind of data to people who maybe don't have the kind of background to understand a lot of academic speak. So they're helping me with that part where somebody else is helping, helping me with the rest of the content. So um, they can be two different voices, um, and I think I've kind of mitigated that by taking more suggestions than I am, like having them um, change, you know, change whole sentences or whole paragraphs or whatever. Awesome. So I, I kind of want to go from here maybe to um, the cover art and things like that. Um, when you designed the cover for your book, did you find somebody to do it for you? Did you put an animal on it like O'Reilly? Better not put an animal, you'll get in trouble for that. <laughs> a pickaxe. I, I did. Um, <laughs> I actually I actually did mine myself. And um, I, I uh, did a few different versions of it. And then I actually threw it up on Twitter because a lot of the people that follow me on Twitter are who would be my readers. So I actually kind of crowdsourced it that way. I had them give suggestions and, you know, what what would identify the book best um, by the cover and and that kind of thing. And I think it worked out really well. Yeah, I so, did a similar thing. I, I used a template from my last book and kind of changed the colors around and then the words. And then when I put it up on Twitter, a bunch of people made comments even on the title length or its exact wording or things. And so I worked out a different title actually based out of that. And I've done it three different ways now. Uh, my first book, I, I don't remember the service. I paid a service is like 80 or maybe 100 bucks. And they basically took my ideas, took my concepts and the color because I wanted to match like my other branding. And they basically made a, a cover, both the cover, like the flat one, and then like a 3D book looking one and a couple other ones. And that was for my first book. My second book, because it was a similar theme, I actually took that cover, went to Fiverr and paid four or five people to say, I want you to make a cover you based on this theme, but with a different title and a different kind of you know front image on it. And out of those, one of them was good and I actually used that. So it's like a total cost of like 20 or 25 bucks. This latest book, I took a template from Nathan Berry um, that he sells in one of his ebooks and basically changed the background color, changed some of like the kind of textured patterns. And then I used, um, I think it's like a $2 icon from the Noun Project and basically slapped that on front and played a fit in Photoshop a little bit. And that's my cover this time around. And actually, I think this third way was took a bit more of my time, but it actually is probably the better looking of all my covers. And the nice thing is, is I can now kind of reuse this cover template template and process to do other books. Awesome. Now, all, all this is done in PDF, right? Like at the end of the day, an ebook is typically going to be a PDF file. Um, it can't either a PDF or an EPUB or a Mobi. Um, EPUB and Mobi are the 
Barnes and Noble, Nook slash most like 99% of the e-readers. And then the Mobi is the Kindle, which is, you know, a large part of the market too. And it makes a big difference. I, I have a Kindle and I just, if it's in Mobi, then I can zoom the fonts. I can do all the other stuff with it. If it's in PDF, I can't. And so sometimes that's a deal breaker for me. Sometimes it's not. If I really, really want the content, I'll buy it anyway. But yeah. yeah and a lot of the PDFs, um, you, it depends on like some of the very design heavy ones. You can't do it well, but you can email like a PDF or any kind of other format to Amazon. And what they'll do is they'll auto convert it to, uh, what is it? The AZW format, which is a Mobi with some other stuff in it. And so you can still get that zooming and the different, you know, all the different kind of Kindle effects or whatever on the Kindle from a PDF source document. And I do that for a lot of stuff, even like little two or three page PDFs people give me. I think it's important, you know, if you uh, just provide your book in as many different formats as you think your readers will use. Like I do PDF, uh, Mobi and EPUB because those are the three most common and the three most likely that my readers will be using so they can choose what format works best for them. I want to read your book in MP3. <laughs> I'll have you do the audio book version, and then you can hear your own voice reading it. <laughs> if, if you pay me, I'll do the voice work. You can crowdsource the uh, audio version. Oh, there, there we go. go. <laughs> One word from each person, right? <laughs> well, I would only need so many words, right? And then I'll just mix and match them. Oh, there you go. That would be yeah, perfect. That, I'm that sure wouldn't, wouldn't be take confusing. very long at all. <laughs> the word the provided by Charles Wood. I like that. All right. So we were talking about formatting a little bit. I, I kind of want to talk about your, your tool chain a little bit. So do you write it in something like Markdown and then convert it? Or what's kind of your workflow there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> I write. Uh, I write in Markdown, and uh, then I use LeanPub, and LeanPub basically compiles the book, um, and then creates all the different formats for it. Yeah, and Scrivener um, I, is like a rich text sort of thing. It has text-based files back in its package, but it's rich text. And so you just convert. You write it in Scrivener, and then convert it to whatever. Yeah. Last time, so I'm actually approaching it a little different this time, and I haven't quite done it yet, but. Uh, last time, I actually pulled all the text out and put it into InDesign, and then out of InDesign rendered the three different uh, types, the PDF, the Mobi, and the EPUB. Now, this time, I'm going to go straight through Scrivener, and I've watched a video that you can do it. So, who knows? I may be r- frantically laying out my book <laughs> on the weekend, <laughs> to be honest. So, I was hoping to get it done last weekend, but the conference took more out of me than I expected. Ash, when you say that uh, with LeanPub, you sort of compile the book so do they provide you with a set of tools or is it all web-based that you upload some portion of the book and then they take care of it yeah so the way that they do it is actually really interesting so you get a special dropbox folder from them and you sync basically each of your chapters in a markdown file into this special folder and then when you're kind of ready because if you're not familiar with LeanPub, I should step back. If you're not familiar with LeanPub, LeanPub allows you to publish a little bit of a book at a time. So it's kind of the idea that uh, a book never has to die. You can continually update it. You don't have to worry about, you know, versioning, you know, first edition, second edition. You just update it if something is spelled wrong or if, you know, there's more updated information that should go on there. Um, so, so basically, I write things in Markdown. They get synced to the special Dropbox folder up to LeanPub. And then once I'm happy with whatever changes I've made, I go into their 
uh, web app and I just say compile this book and it compiles it all and it notifies all of my readers that there's now a new version. So if you're if you're using something like a Kindle, it'll automatically sync to your Kindle. Otherwise, everybody gets an email with a new version. Wait, and the Kindle knows because what if I've gotten it uh, for the Kindle, but I did not buy it through Amazon? It still has the smarts in there to download from LeanPub and automatically update? Yeah, from my understanding, you basically connect your Kindle account to the LeanPub web app, and it just automatically syncs it. Yeah, I did that with uh, Pragmatic Programmer. So every new version of the book, it basically pushes it to my Kindle. The only the only bad thing about it is each new version is considered like a different book. So if you're like on page 55 and then a new version comes out, you have to go back to page 55, and then all your notes and stuff don't get transferred over. It's it's kind of a pain, but um, if you're just wanting to get the updated copy, it works pretty good. I also have a whole bunch of different copies on my Kindle of the same book. Yeah, and that's that's actually I think the same sys- or similar system as what I was talking about uh, earlier, where you can email them a PDF. I I think it's called like the personal documents feature. So basically, what it is is I, I'm assuming LeanPub and also like Pragmatics will are emailing a personal document to Amazon on your behalf, and that gets pushed out to your Kindle. Oh, see. Yeah, and the I've actually changed my tool chain with every book I've written, just because I I don't know whatever. Uh, my first one was a, I don't even remember all the stuff. I think I used Pandoc, Markdown, ASCIIDoc, uh, DocBook, Text, and a bunch of other behind-the-scenes tool chains to get it to work. Um, it was a pain. I don't recommend that route. The second way I wrote it, actually, in pure DocBook, and then from there took it into PDF. That was okay, but it was kind of tag-soupy. Um, it was very powerful, but it was also very powerful, and I shot myself in the foot a lot, especially with the layout. Um, this last book, I used Scrivener to write it, and base, but basically, unlike Curtis, I just wrote it in Scrivener, and I wrote it in Markdown, and then just exported the Markdown. Um, so basically, in, in a way, you could actually write it with like Vim or Emacs or whatever. And from there, I took it to another tool called Kitaboo or whatever. It's, bas- it's open source, and basically, it uses um, a tool called PrintXML, which takes the markdown, puts it into HTML, then takes the HTML and puts that into a PDF and then all the other formats. And the nice thing about that is actually doing your book layout and styling you do with HTML and CSS. And it was it was cake. And so like laying out the EPUB and the uh, Mobi version is just changing CSS. So it was it was pretty nice. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes. It's it's a pretty decent tool for being open source and free. Awesome. Well and Scrivener will export for markdown even out of its rich text editor. So, yeah, like, that, if you mark things up as headings it properly, it'll just spit out Markdown. It's got, like, I don't know, like, thousands of export options, which yeah, is exaggerating, but it's got lots anyways. And I'm on an older version, so I don't have as... It's not as good for me. If you're on a Mac, you get a lot more, a lot better options. But, yeah, I, I all, all my writing's in Markdown. I'm using Scrivener right. as just a way to search and browse and actually organize the content, and then I export it into one file. That's right. You use the Linux version, right? Yeah. So... So before we get into anything with the marketing or really go further with talking about writing the book, where do people find your books? The internet. Yes. Right, we're just going to skip Eric well, altogether. Well, that narrows <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, where can people find your book? Uh, on my site, uh, curtismichael.ca. Um, and I guess I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, and my new, my, the newest book is on uh, running a viable freelance business called Don't Be an Idiot. Uh, and then my other one is on my WordPress site as well, which is wpthemetutorial.com. Awesome. What about you, Ash? Where do people find your book? Mine is on Lean Pub. It's just the diverse team. And it's about helping businesses 
uh, attract and retain diverse hires. And a lot of people find it. Um, I, I tweet about it a lot and uh, I talk about it on my blog as well. So um, if, if you're asking for like where people discover it, that's where they discover it. But buying it is through the Lean Pub site. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So let's talk about marketing. Let, let me ask you a question, sort of. That uh, hang on, I'm I'm, oh, sorry, I'm trolling Eric. Eric, where do people find your book? <laughs> um, <laughs> he needs to be trolled. That's fine. I'm just being punk right now. Anyway, um, right now all all of my books are on different websites. Um, I'm pulling them all into my blog soonish. But if you go to my blog, you can find the link to the sidebar. Um, blog is theadmin.org. Um, I'll put a link to my latest book in the show notes because I think that's the most relevant to this crowd. But it's basically on the top banner for the page. Nice. All right. So um, I, I just I just wanted to ask something that sort of crosses between what we've talked about and the marketing thing, which is, did you guys do any testing to see that people would be interested in buying this book? Like, did you talk to colleagues and, and ask them if they would be willing to pay X amount of dollars if you were to write a book? Or did you just sort of go ahead and write it and then hope that you could market it to enough people to justify it? Yes. <laughs> like I said, too. Mine started with a presentation that people were interested in, uh, and based off, I just gave it for the first time on the weekend. And based off that, I had like 30 emails sitting in my inbox after the presentation of people asking for more information about the running a good business. So, where were you speaking at? Uh, it was a local word camp in Vancouver, which okay. is just a WordPress specific conference, but I was asked specifically to talk about business stuff. So, that's what I did. All right. So what what have you guys done to get the word? Oh, I have another question about editing first before I get into that. Did you guys do any, have anyone do like technical reviews? So people who are experts in the area that you're writing about, did you have them actually read your book and give you feedback? Yes. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting <laughs> for the yes. For my last book I did, I uh, grabbed another programmer that was also has done a bunch of writing as well. And he did the technical edit. Um <laughs> for me and just went through and made sure the code was sane uh, for my last book because it had some code in it. It wasn't like, very code heavy, but this one I just did a normal editor because there's not, wasn't a lot of technical stuff really. No code at all. I'm rephrasing my questions from now on. How did you approach getting the word out about your book? For me, um, it's something, uh, diversity is in tech is something that I talk about a lot. So I've actually had people before I even thought about writing a book that uh, were asking me about uh, resources and books that existed for a lot of the things that I talk about, or if a book existed on, you know, kind of the, the broader topic. So it worked out really well that I actually, my, my book was originally supposed to be a blog post, but my notes were 40 pages long. So I ended up, um, writing, you know, starting a book. And then, um, a lot of people were expressing interest because I basically just said, you know, Hey, if I wrote a book on this, uh, you know, would you be interested? And I got an overwhelmingly great response to that. So. Awesome. Yeah, on my blog, it's been kind of all over. Like I wrote about business and I wrote a little bit about some personal stuff and some cycling as well. But I already wrote a bit business. So I used that for part of it. And then when I did interviews, um, I've also had some of the other people doing it. I've been tweeting about it, trying to get the mailing list going. I've used a lot of, uh, Smashing Magazine has an article, How to Launch Anything by Nathan Berry. And I used a bunch of stuff through that. Yeah, I actually have his book, Authority which kind of goes through the same thing. It talks a lot about the process of launching specifically eBooks. That's, that was going to be one of my picks today, but you know, there's a lot there about building your mailing list and getting the word out and all that stuff. So what does your launch page look like? Where do you have a launch page? 
I do. Eric's is already gone now, unless he has a screenshot of it. So mine yeah. is just a copy of the book cover on one side, and I put a video uh, of me introducing it up top, and then there's a email beside it, a place to sign up for the email to get the newsletter. Yeah, mine is actually, uh, LeanPub actually provides that um, through their service, which is really nice. So they collect all the people who are interested in reading the book, um, basically collecting all their email addresses, but also it will ask how much they're willing to pay for the book, which is really nice. So you can kind of get an idea over, you know, however many hundreds of people about how much you should price it. And LeanPub is nice in that they allow you to set a minimum price and uh, a target price. So you can say, you know, you can at a minimum pay, you know, $25, but the um, suggested price is $30 or whatever. And one question I have about LeanPub, I, I think somebody was complaining about a different service for eBooks and they moved off of them. And I don't remember who it was or what it was, but um, basically their issue was that, oh, it was, it was, I think it was Jevin talking about it. He said that uh, the service he tried to use wouldn't allow him access to the email addresses. So he couldn't actually email the people himself. Yeah. Yeah, He actually just abandoned, had to abandon the platform right after a day or two. Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I was on that show and I was kind of surprised by that. And they must have added in that functionality after he kind of talked to them about that because I have access to all those email addresses. We have real power here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, that well, that's interesting. So what kinds of things are you sending out to people who subscribe to your list? I'm sending first- launch updates email. <laughs> Eric, I'm sending launch updates just, and I also sent out today uh, a full copy of one of the interviews for the book. Then that's only for the email subscribers. So theoretically anyone could type in the proper URL and find it. And then I'll send them a coupon as well, just for the email subscribers. Yeah. Makes sense. That's interesting. I'm anti email. So I really hate sending people email unless I think it's really important. Uh, So actually a lot of the stuff that I send is through Twitter. Like a lot of, um, the research papers that I use, like I'll, I'll you know, send out uh, a little snippet that's an interesting point that I found or talk about some of the interviews that I've done um, with businesses or with people and to kind of like continually generate interest, but also to show people that, you know, it's still being worked on. And there are a lot of different things that I'm considering that they might not have realized that they were going to get in the book. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because I want to put together a similar thing for Ruby Best Practice Patterns which is technically being published through a traditional publisher, but I asked them if they had any problem with me marketing the book at all, and of course they were like, no. So one thing that I'm going to send them, we started out the book writing process at a retreat, and we we set up a Zoom H4 and pointed it at the room and basically recorded all of the conversations that we were having throughout the retreat. And a lot of it is book-related, but there are several portions where we were uh, goofing around or talking about things that, uh, you know, that, that people might be interested in about different aspects of different people's uh, lives and background. And so some of those things are things that I'm going to send out. And it, it's not necessarily related specifically to the book or to the content of the book, but it helps people get to know us as the authors a little bit better. And I think I think that's some of the stuff that makes sense to put in the list as well. But I, I am not scared of sending out emails. If people want to unsubscribe, then they can. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. curious. My Ash. first unsubscribe was actually Reuven. Yes. Reuven was <laughs> first oh, what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> 
who is also doing an email purge, and I do that. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> was somebody kick biggest... him off the call. It was it wasn't personal. Well, at least that's that's what I told you. You were also the biggest um... clicker for the email, so <laughs> that's how that worked. So, Ash, I'm sort of curious. I mean, you might not be into email so much, but I have a feeling that many of the people who might buy your book are into email. And do you think that you're going to have fewer people buy your book because you're marketing it mostly through Twitter? I mean, not only, obviously, but that you're not sending email to people about it? Uh, potentially. But I also, I, I think somebody mentioned a minute ago, like I definitely get email fatigue. And the more I see something that's getting in my way, uh, the more negative connotation I kind of like, or like negative feelings I have associated with it. So I don't want people to be like, great, she's sending me another email. And, you know, when time comes around to actually buy the book, um, that they're going to be like, either they have that um, kind of blindness to that email, like I've seen so many of them and just like archive it, or they just kind of care less. So so it's definitely possible that fewer people will buy my book. I definitely um, go out of my way to talk about it in other places. Like I go on podcasts and radio shows and write blog posts and um, guest blog posts at places and have been interviewed for for things. So uh, I think that there are a lot of places where people can hear about my book. And a lot of people know that, you know, I tweet a lot about this stuff and I also blog about a lot of it so that there are ways to kind of see the, the research and the work that I'm doing without getting an email. Well, in a kind of a different way is the past two books I've done, I've used email. This one I actually used email more than my previous book. And that's had a direct impact on how good both these books have done. And honestly, I, I watched, you know, the unsubscribes and I was basically, um, you know, giving away a lot of good content. In fact, three, two or three of the emails were actually full chapters from the book. And basically I gave them away to the email list. And out of, I think I did three, Say so to three launch, three launch emails and then probably a couple emails leading up to. So we're talking six or seven emails, um, over the course of this launch. And I had two people unsubscribed from a list of 600. And one of those was they weren't interested in freelancing stuff. They were kind of on my list from my previous life as a Redmine developer. So, you know, that's like, that's not even 1% of people unsubscribed or were even annoyed at it. And I, I, have to, I haven't run all the stats, but I bet a lot of the sales came directly from my email list. In fact, I actually was using Twitter to get people to sign up for the email list to get on the launch list because email is just above and beyond everything else there is out there to get a book launched, to do any kind of event type thing. Yeah. Interesting. What, sorry, what, um, what platform or what um, are you using to manage, manage your mailing list since now you have me reconsidering? Um, I'm using Aweber. You can use Mailchimp um, or any of the other like Constant Contact, um, any of those. That the platform you use doesn't matter. I, I bet LeanPub's probably adequate. They're not an email provider, so they're not going to be as good. But anyway, you can send an email that's not like from Outlook or from you know your Apple Mail account would work fine. Cool. Yeah, one of the big things that I'm going to try for new subscribers is actually having an autoresponder to start out and asking them kind of what their biggest business pain is because that's my, like that's what the book is about and that's kind of what my site is about in the email list. So, and I've had, a, I asked the question today, it was the first time I really tried it and had a, like a huge response for the amount of people I have, right? There's not a huge email list, but I had probably like a 30% response of people actually engaging with me and then I emailed them back with suggestions for how they could improve their business in that way. I'm I'm curious, by the way, uh, I'm not sure quite where this fits as a question, and the answer might be yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just by, but um, 
did you guys decide to write books so that you would make money directly from the book sales or that it would serve as a catalyst to sort of make you experts in a particular field and then lead to more consulting work or project work? It's a bit of both for me. I suppose I'd like to make some extra money. Consulting is like running. When you stop, you stop. And products is like riding a bike, right? Which we had one of our guests said that a few weeks ago, I believe. So yeah, I wanted to have a few more products just to get some other recurring revenue in. And then I would actually love to do some more consulting and helping uh, freelancers or small businesses run a better business. Yeah, and I'm kind of in the same boat. It's I want to get some baseline of recurring revenue, but a, a bigger thing for me, I think, is, I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but I want to kind of build kind of a pyramid of like, you know, I have my blog, I have Twitter, I have all these places where I'm giving away free stuff and advice and, you know, kind of experiences, but I wanted a place where it's a little bit more focused, you know, and in this case, actually a paid product. And so this was kind of a move into having something that, you know, someone really wants focused stuff on getting a long-term contract. This is where they're going to go. This is, you know, all everything I know about that topic and kind of the eventual goals. Like above that, I might have another product or another product and then eventually like maybe a, a paid service that's like the high-end consulting. And so it's more of like a, a whole product suite, product family that I'm envisioning. I think mine, um, the money-making part of it was actually secondary. It's kind of a nice perk to writing this. Um, a lot of the stuff, um, like I said, my book is a little bit different than everybody else's. My, mine is, is about um, increasing diversity within tech, which is a lot of what I've been talking about and working on lately. And it's not something that I have found that you can make a lot of money doing. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily see the worth in it yet. So I, I have been spending more and more of my time on this and wasn't getting compensated for it. So, I mean, you can kind of think of it like open source where there's no company that uses the kind of technology that you're, you're making open source for, right? So, so I see the worth in it. And writing a book on this is kind of was an easier way for me to scale up my efforts to have all of this information in one place because I was having so many people come to me and say, like, you know, we know that this is a problem, just we have no idea how to fix it. So I'm actually engaging them and helping me fix this problem. And it's actually kind of a nice bonus that they're paying me for helping them fix this problem that, you know, also is it goes towards my goal. Well, I can't remember what it's called, but like, you know, the whole Renaissance painter, that aspect where, you know, there'd be like kind of a, a wealthy individual or family that would pay an artist to create something. And basically the money was to let the artist you know, dedicate their time to create something that something improved whatever it was, like, you know, maybe the painting art scene or whatever. And that's another way to look at it is that, you know, books or products or stuff like this where it takes a bit of effort at, at first to get it done, but then to keep it going, it's not that hard. You know, you can use the revenue from this to kind of bootstrap your next book. Like maybe there's another topic you have a passion on and so this book can actually the money from that can fund the development of the next book and then that can fund the development of the next one and so it staircases down and each of these books is somehow you know improving society or improving a project you care about or some other kind of worthy goal yeah definitely and and that uh that certainly helps um and i've also used things um like git tip i think we've spoken about a few times on here where people who who want to see this this kind of work done uh but there wasn't necessarily something before for them to directly pay for. So now they're actually paying for something. And at the same time, they also are able to give this book to their company and to the people who make hiring decisions and kind of direct the culture within a company to help them improve. 
Yeah. One of the reasons I'm working on a book, uh, the Ruby Best Practice Patterns book, is because I have cool co-authors. <laughs> and I like hanging out with them. So so that's a big reason there. But yeah, the other book that I want to write is uh, Building Solid and Secure JSON APIs. And it's because I see people go through a lot of pain there. And the the reason that I want to write a book and make people pay for it is because I've also found that people take things more seriously and will dedicate the time to read through it if they pay for it. If I just give it to them, it, it doesn't always work out that way. Yep. So do you guys have Twitter accounts for your books? Um, no. I do on my old ones, but I don't use them. Facebook, for what I'm working Facebook on, they're not worth groups. it. Nope. nope. Now, Eric just has his own Facebook fan group for himself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have either of those. I have my WordPress general tutorials uh, Facebook page, and then I have a Twitter account for that, and that's it. Yeah, and I just use my personal Twitter account. Cool. I'm I'm sort of curious uh, about the whole Lean Pub versus other publishing. I don't know if platform is the right thing. Sort of, what are the advantages of using a company like that versus just going on your own? Do you think it'll improve sales? Um, so I personally, I use LeanPub um, because um, I, I assume that everybody here knows um, Reg Braithwaite. Um, he publishes a lot of things on LeanPub. And when I was looking for something that would basically allow me to write and get all of the other stuff out of the way, this way I didn't have to worry about it. That's what he suggested um, because the, the model is a lot better. Um, as an author, you get paid much more. Uh, than you do at other services that have similar kinds of businesses. But also, they help you control a lot more things. So it's much easier for me to decide when something gets published, decide when to email all of my um, readers, or to, uh, to, to to allow them to decide how much to pay for it. That was also something that was important to me. Um, so I, I just wanted something that would allow me to write and not have to worry about anything else. It's about how much control and you know, how much you want to do it yourself. I mean, the other side of the spectrum is if you're going for a traditional publisher, for the most cases, you, you're you supposed to just write and hand off the stuff. And they have editors. They have all everyone that does everything else. Um, caveat, they won't, probably won't do much marketing for you, and you'll have to do that, but that's different. And then on the other side, it's kind of like how I've done it, where it's complete self-publishing, where I do all the work and I put together all the systems and all that. And so, I mean, I think... It just depends on your personality, how much time you have, what you what you want to work on. I mean, if, if writing is the best thing for you, it might make sense to go to a platform where you can just write and let other people handle it. But if you actually want to control all the bits or, you know, if like in my case, like I'm trying to build a, a whole suite of different products, you know, having access to the customer list and all that's going to be a lot more important than someone who's just trying to write, you know, their one book and get it out there. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you guys, any of you, considered selling it on Amazon or um, what is it, iBooks or any of those marketplaces? I did. I originally was going to make this book a lot smaller in scope, but I, you know, as I was writing, I eventually expanded the scope. The problem with Amazon and the iBook store and um, Barnes and Noble, if they're still around by next week, the problem is, is you're like, like I said, on the control side, you have almost no control. You basically upload your stuff, you get royalties, you can't see the customer list can't verify sales. Um, I know Amazon has a very, very strict pricing structure. I think the iBook store has one too. But th- those are great for like, if you just want to write and you just want to put stuff up there. And they also have a lot of existing customers there. So if you have kind of a more of a mass market topic, it might actually make sense to go there. But I, I'm not going there. I've, I have some ideas to kind of play with that, but I'm probably not going to put a lot of my bigger products on there. 
And they have an exclusive deal, too, where you can give it away for free for a certain number of days, right? Yeah, the Kindle Direct Publishing KDP. Um, you can basically say, I'm only going to be on Amazon, and they give you a bit more marketing tools for it. It's, you know, once again, like you're giving up more control in order to have different things, the ability to different things. And it's there's pros and cons to that. And I haven't done it. I'm just, this is secondhand experience. Yeah, what I've read and listened to about using their extra like the KDP platform is that if you're doing that, then you're doing it often because you're getting your name out there to sell other services or other things later, not necessarily for that one single product. Awesome. All right. Well, any other bits and pieces of this? I know there's a lot more out there about this, but it's... Um, it's... I, I was just going to say, I think for me, um, for somebody who had never written a book before and um, for someone, it actually, it took me a long time to actually uh, start even writing blog posts. Um, it, I knew that writing a book was a lot of work, but I really had exactly no idea how much work it was. And my writing style is a little bit different in that uh, I don't write linearly. Uh, so that has proved to be an interesting challenge when you look at something like a book model where, like, like I said, I have a very large outline and I have, you know, tons and tons of chapters, but I have like two thirds the amount of content that I want for every chapter across, <laughs> across the entire book right now. Um, because, uh, a lot of the way that I write and the way that I do research and that kind of thing, um, kind of, kind of spreads that out really thin. Um, so that would be something that I think about, um, I've certainly um, felt frustrated with myself about not being able to get my book out as soon as I would have hoped. But on the other side, I'm, I'm really happy that it's going to be more complete as far as like content and research goes. So I see other people releasing books a lot sooner. And then I have to remind myself that the way I write is a little bit different and that's fine. Uh, and I'm focusing more on content than, um, than getting it out there sooner. Ash, are you, are you worried? I mean, maybe this is more appropriate for, for, Curtis and Eric, uh, just given the topics, but are you worried about competition that someone's going to beat you to the subject and hurt your sales or hurt your launch? You know, I'm, I'm not really, um, in, in this space, it's interesting because there aren't a whole lot of people talking about this right now. And I've worked myself into a really great position where I'm currently one of the experts on this. Uh, so I'm, I'm not super worried about that. And I, I really welcome other people talking about things related to this because like I said, you know, making money off of this book was really a secondary goal to fixing a huge problem that I think we have. Uh, so my motivations are slightly different than other people. Not have to say, I mean, coming from this as a reader, whenever I look at a new topic or whatever, I almost always buy two or three books on the same topic because books are so personal and unique that, you know, you're, it's not like a an accounting app where you only need one. Like you can get 20 dozen books and you're still not going to be able to cover all of the knowledge in a specific area. So, I mean, competition is actually kind of a good thing because then you know, like, oh, there's another author in here. It's a market. And it's also someone you can also talk with and, you know, maybe do kind of joint marketing or joint stuff together just on the educational side. So I don't, I don't, I don't see competition as really a bad thing for books. Um, there's most, most people I talk to also do kind of shop around and buy a lot of books at once. Like, I mean, how many Ruby, you know, this is how you write good Ruby code books are out there right now. And Chuck's coming out of another one. Mm-hmm. I got about four on my shelf and don't even do Ruby anymore. Well, I know another one you can buy here in, in uh, nine months or so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll let our local Ruby brigade buy it and read it if I want. But I can put in a request with Miles to get it. Nice. 
Um, let me ask a semi-crass question. How much money do you guys expect or think you might make off of writing an ebook over time? Well, wasn't Eric talking about building his Scrooge McDuck money pond today? <laughs> <laughs> I was. Can you invite us over too? Ah, <laughs> <Och>, me money. <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy with you know a couple thousand dollars out of it. Really, I think my old book averages uh, a couple hundred uh, after about a year, and I'm not doing a ton of marketing on it anymore. It sits on the sidebar of my WordPress tutorial site, which sees about uh, eight thousand page views a month. Yes, Canadian dollars, Ruben, which is, you know, half of anything else, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> which was a comment referring to his chat, which I should not read. <laughs> um, mine, mine, I like I said, I wasn't really expecting um, a ton, but I did an Indiegogo campaign. And one of the perks I did was uh, getting a copy of my book. And just through that, I've made about $4,500. Nice. That's good. I've been joking with the other rogues that uh, I'll be able to get a Big Mac for, for me and Happy Meals for my kids. And then every time uh, somebody talks about something that might cut into the royalties, then then the joke is, is which of my kids are going to go hungry. But uh, <laughs> but we're, we're doing it through a traditional publisher. So, you know, you have your royalty set up, which can be anywhere from 10 to 20%, depending on how much the book sells and things like that. And then, you know, all of the other things that go into that, the, the royalty advance, which we use to pay for the retreat and things like that, you know, that we don't get paid until that's all paid. So anyway, it's it's kind of interesting. Well, I look at a couple of years ago, someone offered a publisher, and I remember who it was, offered to get me to write a book, and I made double the advance so far already on my one book. Wow. Awesome. Right, just like just as a, a means of comparison. So when I wrote my pro book, uh, what was it now? Twelve years ago, thirteen years ago. So I think I made a total of five thousand dollars from it, which strangely enough was the advance. So basically, they paid me the advance. They sold a bunch of copies, and that was that. Yeah, you barely earned out your advance or did any. Right, right. Which I think yeah. is pretty typical with uh, traditional publishing. Yeah, especially with tech. Tech. I mean, tech's not a bestseller. Like. That you're not going to sell a lot of copies, so most of the time the advance is what you're going to get, unless you know you like agile web development for Rails or something like that that just surprises people. Well, the other thing is, is if you go through somebody like um, Prague Prague, their royalty is like fifty percent, where you know the the O'Reillys and Pearsons and stuff, you know they'll they'll start out negotiating with you at ten percent, and then if you're if you're really aggressive, you can probably talk them up which I have no real experience in because we haven't given them our list of demands after the last copy of the contract they sent us. Duly noted, I got offered a co-author on a book project this weekend. So I got the... I have, a long time ago, I took notes of like how my books were doing. So I got actually real numbers for mine. First book I wrote in 2010. So that's actually about three years ago um, next month. And I've made about seven grand off that. And it's actually still sells every now and then. Second book, or I guess third book, whatever you want to order it, uh, wrote it 2011. Um, so that's what, two years almost. And that is right, actually, I think it's a little bit more than that. It's right around 11,000. This is net, but like I, or this is gross. I net like, you know, minus like 50 cents or $2 off of each of these, uh, for each copy. So it's very, this is close to profit level. My latest book, I don't have the numbers for it, but I launched it you know, Wednesday. So it's been on the market, not even a week. And I'm, I think it's like 2,500 or 2,700. So, you know, not, not the greatest. I kind of, each book I've kind of screwed up on the marketing at one area or another, 
but I've heard, I actually have notes on other people's book launches that I've seen in, you know, 20,000, 50,000 self-published book launches are not unheard of. Awesome. Sounds good. Kind of give you an idea. So if I mean, and you, you don't really write a book for the money. I mean, you're going to hear that. Like you write a book for the prestige, especially with a traditional publisher and, you know, or in my case, you know, to start building kind of an audience that you can work with on other products. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say that like my, my pro book years ago and even my Linux journal column, I mean, yes, there's some money there and it doesn't lead directly to clients, but it definitely helps when I go into a client and they say, Oh, wow. Well, you wrote this. It, it immediately establishes yourself as a, a figure of authority in that on that topic. All right. Yes. Well, should we get to the picks? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Curtis. What are your picks? My picks are actually a set of uh, free eBooks on running a business by Corey Miller, and you can get um, them for free by signing up for his mailing list, and they are awesome. Uh, I read the three main ones in I think the one night, and they are excellent. And he's got four or five other ones, and then a huge like hundred plus list of books you should be reading as a business owner and I have read a bunch of them they're awesome my second one is my Mophie juice pack air which uh, saved my butt a couple times this weekend as I was running out of phone battery on a conference at like you know three o'clock in the afternoon and that charged me right back up and kept me going until the end of the day awesome Eric what are your picks uh, my pick is for someone that's ran the car alarm off on my street. Uh, <laughs> so I've got three of them. Um, I, I mentioned this one before, but I want to mention it because we talked about it. It's the tool chain I use, Kitaboo. It basically converts Markdown, oh, I guess Textile also, um, converts Markdown or Textile into you know PDF, HTML, all that stuff, EPUB, to kind of use it to write eBooks. It's very easy. It's probably the best tool chain I've used in a while. Next pick is the Noun Project. Um, it's basically a bunch of kind of very simple, you know, all black, all white icons. Um, I can't remember what their purpose was, but I went on here, found an icon for my book, slapped it on there, reversed it so it's uh, white on black or whatever, and it cost all of $2. And they're very nicely designed icons. Um, some you can use for free, some are Creative Commons, some you can pay to get a license, like what I did. And then... Third pick, uh, I'm not doing this, but I thought it was pretty interesting. It's a thing called Bullet Journal. Um, it's kind of like a, a little system for if you're actually kind of taking notes on paper. It's a way to kind of, it's like a markup language for your notes that kind of tells like this is a to-do item, this is a, an event, this is a subtask, this is a task, all that stuff. It's it's pretty interesting. I Like I said, I, don't, I haven't used it, but this is kind of like how I take notes every now and then. So someone might find it interesting. That's it. Awesome. Reuven, what are your picks? Okay, so I've got three picks. Uh, one is uh, 1Password, which I know works on the Mac, and I believe it works on iPhone and Android as well, but I haven't tried it on my Android phone. And basically, uh, it allows you to, well, have one password that encrypts all the other passwords, and then you can actually have good, strong passwords for all the websites that you use without having to reuse them. And it's taken me, I think I've had the software for about a year now, 